0: Black powder
1: face with hard luck face brush face brush with hard luck hard
0: shot steep smurris with hard luck kicks card shot steep
2: smurris with hard luck black powder face with hard luck face brush face brush with hard luck hard shot steep smurris with hard luck kicks a card shot steep smurris with hard luck
3: good afternoon and welcome to the hard luck show i'm your certified qualified west side host Steve Lucky Luciano that's right ladies and gentlemen that's right ladies and gentlemen you've tuned into the greatest show on earth absolutely hard luck show absolutely coming at you from the virus bunker in Southern California sitting across from me my co-host and partner is Chumahan Bowen American Indian
1: Southern Californian Elegant Barbarian And I am here Going to do some Straight interrogating
0: Yeah. Yeah Come on Listen tribal
1: interrogate. Yeah. You know how we do it on the tribe when we want to interrogate a motherfucker?
3: You do it real savagely.
1: Listen, we wet, we wet some leather and mm-hmm. we tie it real tight to your head mm-hmm. and then sit you in the sun mm-hmm. and let it dry. And when the leather shrinks, your skull slowly cracks. Oh. And as fuck. it's cracking, we say, hey, you yeah. want us to take that off? You want to tell us what yeah. you know, <laughs> motherfucker? <laughs> you want me to relieve that little tension from your head? Right, you might want some ibuprofen. Open right
3: yeah. about now, yeah. And on uh, music, old blue eyes. Sean Lewis, certified audio professional engineer. Yeah, yeah. for the yeah. hard look. Show, hey. yeah. Uh, uh. What Yeah. Her name was Jim. Uh, what is that? Uh, Spice one when he's some proof. Yeah.
0: yeah.
3: Uh, uh coming from uh, that North uh, Cali. Uh,
1: uh. Yeah, but he was just telling me he doesn't know if he can move back to the northern
3: just cuz he loves the beaches down here too much. Yeah. He just said yeah. that. If you loved it so much, you asked to be up there. Now, that? that's right. So. Now, I want we want to invite. We're inviting on Very, very special guest Very, very talented Very accomplished Uh, Creative director, artist uh, Hot rod builder I mean, this fucking guy I've known for about, oh man, close to 20 years now Let's introduce the infamous Mr. John Chase to the show, you guys Welcome, John Chase (laughs)
0: The illustrious yeah. the illustrious john you guys Chase. are
4: totally turned up to like 11 and a half right now yeah, yeah.
0: yeah. i'm
3: looking across the table john at my partner he might <laughs> like an energy drink every now and then he's got like fucking five empty cans of rockstar next to him okay yeah yeah and he's drinking also a uh, pre-workout he's scooping pre-workout in cups. cup so this guy is going and uh, we're no, all no i have a guy
4: like, i work with does the same thing he likes to have um Monster energy And then chase it With five hour And he'll put on top of A red bull on top of it So Hey
1: Mark Torres Mark Torres Come on in man Hey Chase uh, Come on in Come and sit down Uh, This is a listener of ours Who's driven all the way From wherever Go ahead and sit down grab
3: that spot right there Hurry up We're in the middle of it
1: Yeah stop being Stop being Humble We got Chase on here Talking to Okay cool We'll get to all that Just go ahead and have a seat Grab water whatever Okay Bring Chase. Chase, we got one of the listeners drove down from, I don't know, Canada or something. And he, he just just to be able to listen to your amazing stories, your amazing artwork. You know what's funny is
3: this oh, dude could hang wow. with John Chase, bro. No He's shit? He's got the John Chase beard going on, the glasses, and the ball cap. Yeah, yeah man. This dude... Anyway, so John, uh, John, welcome, dude. Welcome to the show. Welcome to the Hard oh. Luck
4: Show. Hard Luck Show. Thank you, thank you. I'm honored to be on. Right on, yeah, so man.
1: Why don't Steve, where? How do take us to the beginning? How do you know John Chase?
3: Me and John Chase were together, and we worked together. At a brand called Famous Stars and Straps. This was a brand that uh, we had built with travis parker you know okay and this was a brand that was coming out of the inland empire area um and uh kind of where travis is from and building this really cool brand that was changing and evolving and um i came aboard and there was another artist that was kind of creative directing named max and shout out to max man he's an amazing artist and helped establish some of the main logos for famous um and i remember as max was growing and different things started changing at famous kind of by the time i got there john was working um kind of like a supporting role creatively and artistically wise yeah and kind of moved into the position of creative director for famous stars and straps right so um and that kind of set us and by the time that happened the brand was moving to a place where we were just jumping huge huge hurdles we were just making huge gains on a global level the brand was on fire dude that's how jump- everybody had that f on their shirt uh, yeah. everywhere now yeah. let me tell you at the time yeah. now when you're now when you're seeing it everywhere that's probably about 3 years after John Chase's yep. work really started laying in but right. everything that you're seeing right that really hit across the globe, right? Was I have to say it, it was John Chase's stuff. It was that stuff that was we were that we we're unloading on the planet, bro. And 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 it was. And I say this, you guys, because once in a great while, you'll be part of a. And I'm going to just speak on on an apparel brand, right? Okay? Right. Many brands, but I'm talking about apparel. Somebody comes up with the name and the brand and the concept and the idea of it. But it's usually not always that person that's knocking out all the creative that surrounds it. They have a vision. They have maybe an idea. They might not even have a vision. They may just have the concept and the name, of the whole thing. All right. And once they get with the right guy that can execute that and really creatively build and merchandise and, and give the brand a destination and meaning and depth and When you have somebody like that and they can get on the same page, something magical happens. Right. So, And that's what John Chase and Travis were really doing together. Because you got to remember, Travis came up with this company, but this guy's in the middle of three different bands. He's touring all over the world. Right, John?
4: Yeah, yeah, dude. He was a busy guy. Busy guy, right? He doesn't
3: have time to sit there and figure out. Hey, how do we do this? Let's make a backpack. Let's do new gear. Like, Mr. and Mrs. Earbuds, remind them who Travis
1: is for some of the real, real young folks that might not. He
3: a drummer from Blink-182. Right. The easiest, pretty much, way to, you know. Right. And um and John Chase really, like, and the brand, you got to remember, too, man, the brand came from one area. Yeah. And was moving across the board into many areas. But somehow you had to keep or hold on to the integrity of where the brand came from, but yet still move into spaces like hip-hop and rap and, and all these different things. And John was really the catalyst in being able to keep the integrity of where the brand came from yeah, and still give the consumer what they wanted, right. but also be able to move them into a different arena that worked, which was maybe a very urban they might have called it at right. the time. And different you know, so without diluting or without losing. diluting and John yeah, was really it. good at that. And John was really good at digging in deep to the roots of Travis's punk roots. Real like, you know, and primarily Southern California or California, West Coast fucking punk rock. Really going deep into that. And he was able to like educate and he set off a lot and and I could just go on and on. So You know, long story (laughs) short, what I will say is, so I can put it into terms that people would understand. Yeah. Let me put it like this. Go ahead. When I got introduced to the brand. Yeah. The brand was probably doing about $100,000 annually. Okay, in belt buckles, hats, and some belts, and right. a few t-shirts. Okay, okay. Uh-huh. by the time I exited the company, yes, sir, and I left John Chase there. He was doing his thing with everybody. Amen. The the brand was doing close to a hundred million dollars a year. Yeah, it was wild. Globally. global. Okay, and, and so that's and this happened in in about in a five-year span right five to six year span we did this so you listeners uh it was incredible and john you were there and this just is the beginning stages of a career that keeps on outdoing itself he keeps on reinventing he keeps on bringing other things to the forefront so that's how i know john chase and i've kept a close eye on him over the years and we've both operated in some some worlds that sometimes meet and cross and sometimes don't. All right. And, uh, man, we just had a blast, bro. A really, really special time in career, in business, that we got to to just build something really special that probably is not going to happen the same way again. So
1: let me ask this, then. Let me ask John this. So, John, when... John, when did help you? Me, help me. I'm not. <laughs> help John, me. Please, man, listen. John, where, when did you, at what point in the famous Stars and Straps did you come aboard? Uh,
4: I came on February 5th, 2003. Bam. It was my first actual art job. Before that, I was actually a sales, inside, outside salesman for an industrial rubber company in Corona God. called ASJ. So I sold concrete and water hose, and I was doing art on the side.
1: Yeah. So when Max...
4: Wait a Max second. And I, yeah, wait a dude, second. Like,
1: I, wait wait a, a second. <laughs> <laughs> this is starting to sound like a Cinderella story yeah. now. It, oh, it is. Dude, is it's, it? It's, oh, it it's is. wild, Holmes. No. It's
4: wild. How
1: do you go from selling industrialized rubber with a little bit of art on the side to basically getting in at the ground level with famous stars and straps, which is going to become so successful? How does that happen?
4: Um, it, was, it was weird because... So I was working at the Industrial Rover Company. I've known Max since the mid-'90s because I used to do an, a comic book with my buddy, Brian Viveros, who's a super huge accomplished painter and artist. And I've known him since we were like in junior high, high school. So I met Max 97, 96, 97, and I kind of kept up with them because they were doing art. And then a bunch of the dudes out here in Riverside, so that's like Max Grimajo, Jeff Soto, Stephen Daly, this dude Tech, all these guys were writing and doing graph, and they started getting into the business on the on the apparel industry. So I was kind of keeping tabs. I'm like, oh, that looks like fun. I want to try and get into it. So I would go work like 55 hours a week at my day job, and then I go hang out with Max until two or three o'clock in the morning, and like I would just watch what he's doing and see how I could apply myself to get into that industry. So after I gave myself one calendar year, if I do not get into this industry into the apparel world. I will just be content with sitting here in a cubicle selling water hose and concrete hose. <laughs> right okay and so
1: so okay so then what happened
4: well so i approached max I'm like hey i'm really interested in this he's like cool he's like i think you have it he believed in me more than i did that's the thing about max always said like hey, you know what he saw the potential i could do so i just stayed home and uh at like on weekends friday and saturday nights i watched Videos online about how to use the computer because everything was done digitally. So I learned how to use Photoshop on the online by watching videos. Right. So then six months go by. He talks. I finally get an opportunity to get a job. I meet Travis. I get hired. I give my the company I worked for for eight and a half years. I gave him a a two minute notice. I'm leaving right now. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. And and I bounced. And it was crazy because. The, the owner, Alan, was like one of the greatest people. He taught me a lot in, the, in that world of business and negotiation, which was great. And he totally said, like, you know what? That's what you want to do. I can tell you what you want to do. Gave him a blessing. I split. I went to go work at, at Famous, which was not even that far from where I was living in an apartment in Corona. And I went there. I didn't, ta- I didn't sign any paperwork. I didn't get onboarded. No one said hi to me. I just sat down at Travis's desk. And then I realized, Maxwell, oh, you can't use Photoshop to do this. You have to use, learn Illustrator. So I had to teach myself Illustrator that week how to start doing designs.
1: Okay, let and me then I th- let <laughs> me let me okay. Let me just put we got we you covered a lot of great ground. And and, and first of all, we've got actually like a first time Mark Torres, a listener. Yo, yes. what up? All right, say hello. Say hello to the great Chase. I don't know if he can, you know, nah, you're man, worthy to talk to him, Mark Torres. <laughs> Probably not. Probably not. <laughs> I'm just glad to be here. Man. All right, you seem to be nodding as you were listening. Do you have anything to add, uh, Mr. Torres? To yeah, what Chase dog, is uh, yeah that's dog? a lot of
2: hustle and motivation right there. Yeah. All right. Excellent. All right. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah.
1: All right. So, Chase, okay, wait a second. Like, you kind of glossed over, kind of, I would think it's kind of a big deal, which is, first of all, why did you only give yourself a year to break into the apparel company? Like, what, why did you say just a year? What was it? Did you have pressure? Were you married? Were your parents on your back? Like, what was that?
4: Nah. I was, uh, see, at this time I was 29. So I was kind of late.
1: Right. In okay. My,
4: but I wasn't married. Um, I wasn't even dating who's now my wife Katrina I wasn't even dating her yet Hurricane Katrina So it was like I was just giving myself a realistic goal if I can't get it in this time yeah. then I need to either reevaluate or just that's not it cuz at the time not a lot of people were doing art There's only a few people like Risky was doing it cuz he did Third Rail Right Slick was out there doing stuff um, let's see Tribal Bobby you know jo- like people were doing it Joker like right. Little Lucky like all those dudes were doing stuff But it's like, it was kind of not, you weren't just doing it. Not everyone was doing it. It was before social media was really a thing. I mean, there's was MySpace. people are doing art, but people weren't like getting put on like that.
1: Right. And then you're sitting there, you're watching YouTube videos of fucking uh, Adobe Photoshop. And then from that in an apartment, you said you were in Corona, right? Yeah. All right. So Corona is not exactly the most illustrious place in Southern California. And then all of a Easy sudden, there. hey,
3: guys in Corona and Fontana. Listen, it hey man, it's a place I live in Norco. Of love. I still, hey, I
0: still am
4: listen, out here. Okay, listen, I live in Norco.
1: Listen, all I understand that there's a lot of loyalty and love for Corona, but I am just saying it's not necessarily it's in not the Beverly Hills, right? Okay, it's not Santa Monica. All right, thank you very much. All right,
4: but I will tell you something: the whole style and the and that lifestyle and that look was born from out here, and the yep. whole world yep. is that true? It. Yes. 1000%.
3: Yes. That's a corona look. Oh bro. It That's an IE look there. all yeah, day. That's IE look. I that love it. All right. Well, that, that look take took over shit.
1: I and, and it yes. did. It absolutely did and I, so therefore on that basis there alone I stand corrected. But <laughs> Hey, listen. I Yeah, fine. Hey, it's true, listen. Let's, let's stop fucking around because the real story here <laughs> Let's stop is it, what is is that he went from learning Adobe to all of a sudden working for Travis of Blink One Eighty Two, did that blow your mind at all? Like, were you tripping? What was that like?
4: Uh, let me be honest with you. Yeah. I didn't even listen to the music. <laughs> I wasn't. I all didn't right. know any other songs. Right. I like. I'm like. I wanted to get a. It was a ground level into an art career. Possibly. I didn't even right. know if I was going to be there two minutes, two weeks, two months. Awesome. I didn't. I didn't even sign paperwork for two weeks. That's when I met. Nicole, who was running the operation in her office, I finally I walked in there one day, two weeks later, I go, hey, is there anything I can sign to say I'm getting paid? Like, yeah, what am I getting yeah. paid? There wasn't no a negotiation about my pay. It was pay. still up
3: in there whether you we were going to get paid,
4: right? <laughs> yeah, dude, was, I was employee number eight <laughs> yeah. at the company. So there was Almost never, everybody was in the warehouse.
1: So there was never any moment where you're like, holy shit, I'm meeting a famous drummer of a famous rock band, and I'm going to be working with him at all. You were just like, oh, yeah, that's Travis, I guess. I don't know who that is. That was how uh, it was?
4: Put it this way, once I got the offer for the job, I did some research online. Oh, okay, cool. I had heard some of the songs. Right. And that's what I realized something that, okay, there's a whole other world out there I haven't been paying attention to because I was honestly just driving like my Nova around and just selling concrete hose and just kind of doing whatever, (laughs) doing art for fun. so. So, right. So, I mean, it was different. And then, but yeah, once I realized, I'm like, yeah, it wasn't until I went to like Denny's with him one time and the waitress offered, paid for his breakfast. I'm like, wait, what? Really? This guy's wow. a millionaire. Like, what are you doing? Right. But, you know, it's a different life. So, yeah, that was the beginning of it. So, I learned how I taught myself Illustrator in the course of a week, week and a half. And that's pretty much what I use 99% of the time. You know what? You know what?
3: You, you want to know something? Yeah. Okay. Because it's weird, John, because when I came aboard, it absolutely was that look. I, I wouldn't use Travis's name. To, to break these brands in, what would you do? I, I just brought in the brand. There was a look to the brand, right? That was so different, right? And it was hitting on some trends, which were trucker hats because Von Dutch was starting to really pee. Oh my truckers. god, I remember and there Von Dutch yep. belt buckles that he did, and right? These belt buckles and the trucker hat both were pieces that fit into a look, right. That was beginning to trend, right? Right, right, and and yep. That's how I was able to walk the shit into Fred Siegel. And people know. Co- and, 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 and let me, then the reason, when I tell you, when I tell you, I didn't use Travis Barker's name. Yeah. This, you have to think back. This isn't the same Travis that you think of when you think of Travis Barker now. Right. This is Travis unattached to Chicano lifestyle. He's looking, he, he, he likes that stuff, but he's this, he's the drummer from Blink 182. Right. He's not, and known if I for walk that. in there and say that, they're not gonna take the line do you get what i'm saying yeah he's not known for that he's known for being the drummer right and and this is this is why i'm talking i'm bringing this up is that travis himself was a was a a well a well-rounded dude he traveled the world bro multiple times and he was he was um he had an appreciation for art and culture you know and he want there was like he wanted to share some of that with with the famous customer but in order to do that he he would have had to have gotten a creative artist that was able to help him to do that and i'm talking about like he's introducing Andy Warhol and Marilyn Monroe and and art yeah. like this Keith Haring like this style of art he's starting to introduce to a famous customer right but a famous customer doesn't really understand that. Do you get what I'm saying? Well, wait, what He's is like a, way advanced on them? What is a famous customer yeah. at that time at would you the, say? At that time like Ooh. a famous customer is like kind of like this like fucking crazy dirt bike rider, fucking crazy colored mohawk, yeah. fucking kind of into like teeny bopper punk, rock, you know like that. I, I don't know, John, I could be completely wrong. No, no, John, nah, lay it out there. What what what's the what's
1: the famous customer at that time? That sounds about right, but what else would you add to that?
4: I mean, you could go specifically. It's, it's that 10 to like 25 year old mm-hmm. male, generally. Females were, were on board. They came along later on in line, but it was that young dude who wanted to like, who had loved music, was into like car lifestyle a little bit, but had like, it just had its own vibe and its own swag to it. Like, it, it, that whole style was like attitude. And like it was the craziest time when I met some dudes from Germany who looked just like dude. They had tattoos like him. They wore like, clothes just like him. Like they wanted to just belong to it, like to that tribe. I was, I, you call you call a tribe, yeah. You call it a tribe. They wanted to feel that vibe because everyone at that time was moving to it. So out here, it was just normal clothing, like people wearing black socks pulled all the way up, Dickies, um, like what was it? Osiris's right. DC shoes. That whatever. was normal
3: out there. Yeah. Right, that's how yeah. everybody dressed. Right. I'm so so that
4: we were, it was just taking that style that's already here, that's established out here, mm-hmm. and just exp- and showing the rest of the world what was out there. and Like, oh, it just caught on because yep. it was it was teetering already. Hip hop, metal, car lifestyle, SoCal. It was all those things rolled up into a ball that was like a perfect mix, a perfect combination at that time for it, and everyone was just into it. I can tell you right now, there was there was a point in the company where we could do anything salvage denim we did a radio we did a ghetto blaster with lasonic i called them because i was in charge of buying dudes ghetto blaster collection like he's like Yo, here's your budget it was a lot of money go buy me all the best radios in the world so i spent a couple of weeks i was able to collect him his best collection of radios and i called Lasonic because they're an in industry go hey i need some parts chinese company my buddy albert was working there he was born in hong kong he gets on the phone 20 minutes later we did a collab with Lasonic. we were making ghetto blasters like anything we could do we could make we could think of we could make at the time it was insane
3: bro man dude i'm telling you he was like this dude there's a there's sometimes you get into this place where you can take like this like if they if the lifestyle is being bought into like say ralph lauren right polo right you slap the little horse on anything, right? right. They're buying, it. <laughs> right? Cupcakes, right? fucking anything, right? Okay, oh, okay. That's where famous, famous got was like that, dude. You could put that F badge, right? But it's still, to get there, you, that doesn't just wow. happen. You have to do a lot of dope shit to get to that place. Okay, okay? Wait, like, wait, you wait. don't just get that handed to you. Yeah, it was a lot of work. A lot of work, lot dude. Of work. And it's like, dude, these dudes were fucking mimicking old punk rock albums and making shirts out of them, and then rappers were wearing that shit in, right. in fucking Harlem. Yeah, yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, how do you do that? Well, my question to that is exactly what you're saying: is what's the commonality
1: there? Uh, what is? How is that? How is it that that Corona or that vibe or whatever that was that you guys kind of figured out in famous stars and shit? That how did? that be common to hip-hop, common to metal, common to skater, common to – like. How Bro, did that happen?
4: There's one common thread, and it was Travis. He was, a, he was a celebrity at the time. He That was his style. Kids were trying to figure out how to wear that style, like how to cut his shirts like him. We started selling the shirt cut like that because kids couldn't figure out how to take a pair of scissors. So, like, yeah, you so give them, the cut you down feed the side, them, you feed them, you feed the monster. That's it.
1: Why did Travis, why did he have that global appeal to all those different, because those genres that we're talking about, that you guys are throwing around here, like those are genres that integrity is a heavy premium. The minute they smell a sellout, it's over. Mm -hmm. Right? So how come Travis, yeah, go ahead.
4: He was already playing, he played in punk bands. He played in a pop punk band. He loved hip hop. He would do collabs and do edits and mixes with hip bars. Like, I had to to sit down with Little John to talk about he wanted to make his own brand at one point. Like, he just wanted to make punk rock white kid stuff. Like, that's his appeal was just because he was on stage and people wanted to be a part of it and look like him and meet him. So it was a perfect storm. He was doing, like, let's see, Run DMC and Aerosmith did the crossover in the 80s, right? Then Judgment Night comes out in the 90s, and now a bunch of rap and metal mixing together. So it was to that point where people were totally accepting. Like, it's not how it used to be when we were growing up. Like I don't know how old you guys are, but I'm in forties now. And like, you only know kind of music. That's it. You you skated. That's what you did. You didn't do other things. Now kids right. are so used to hybrid and like having a different lifestyle, of music and cultures they embrace and things they like, and they don't have to be set in a box and uh, like uh, yeah, famous and Travis well, Was like the beginning of like it's okay to like all these different things.
3: Absolutely, put them bro because if you were a punk rocker you were a punk rocker
4: right and if you were into,
3: uh, in uh rap you were rap right so you couldn't let your punk rock friends see you listening to rap and right right, right? So right. You have to live this. but travis just came out and like crossed over into that i mean it's like true. when you really look at like when you look at like a little wayne yeah his whole coming in and who he was <laughs> he's like a black travis mm-hmm. the way he got down his whole and they got down together on shit you right? Know? um Mm -hmm. But it's like you had, and you had Lil Wayne made it okay to step into like skinny jeans and Vans. Right. You get what I'm saying? Yeah, I did. Travis was the guy who had stepped over and made it okay to like listen to EPMD or he would reference this or that, you know, it's like, so, you know, Travis is a really, he's a, he's, he's a well-rounded guy. Okay. Interesting. And, um, he got to, you know, he got to, he, he also wasn't afraid to try shit. That dude was not afraid to try some shit, man. Right. We had a lot of shit that didn't work. Yeah, it was pretty wild. I mean, you know what? As we were sitting here and I was thinking, John Chase, I'm thinking about how you remember when we made the canvases with Marilyn? Yeah, I remember that. I
4: remember how that even...
3: I don't know either, but I remember we this made like a couple. A were... We made a couple, and then it was like, "Bam, we need fucking like fifty for wait, stores. Wait, wait, wait so big. what happened? What
4: happened? Wait, <laughs> we, so, I'll tell you the story about how it happened. Yeah, so I i think it was my my first year in. It was like June. I remember because they because these are moments as an artist or or a creator. These are are highlights in your career, and this is one of them. Like the this is the design, really broke me at that point, like this like a milestone for me. So we were working on some stuff tonight, and, and then I know Travis doing a lot of it. So I was kind of working this Maryland piece thing on the side. Like, you know what? I'm going to try it. I printed it out. I put it at the, the folder. We were at Denny's because we used to meet at Denny's when Travis is still living in Corona, and we were both out here still. Max and I. So we were having breakfast with him. We were going off and he saw – he just wasn't really feeling anything. He loved the Maryland stuff so much like we got to go nap. So we put it in. And at this time, like, all right, cool. If you really think about it, if you show the design to anyone, they'll recognize right away who that – Hold on a second, John. Hold, hold on a second,
1: John. Hold on a second. For some reason, we got you coming through the computer, but – I don't know. It, are you using wireless headphones uh, to talk? Or are you on the phone? No. Oh, why? Sean, Sean, sound engineer, Sean. What's going on?
0: Uh, it's connection issues. Some meaning what? Wi-Fi or whatever. I mean, it's like a lag in the in the product.
1: Uh. Okay. <laughs> All right. So, okay, you guys are at Denny's. You've got the Marilyn Monroe. Uh, you got the Marilyn stuff in a in a. Okay. Yeah. Say it again.
4: Uh, let me move a little bit
1: because this story's
4: great. See if
1: I can get a bit. Of- hey, what is Travis and you like? What is your Danny's go-to meal? Are you a moons over Miami guy?
4: <laughs> nah, nah, dude. I don't mm. eat um, animal. I don't either. I'm <laughs> so thinking. I would just have like toast. Yeah, I would eat toast.
1: And what's and what's toast. and wh- what's Travis? You, meal. Travis doing like a a grand slam or what's his deal? Yeah.
4: <laughs> no, nah, I think at that time he was also not eating animal products we were all kind of like not doing that at the time
1: so you guys would go to denny's and just eat toast <laughs> toast and oatmeal uh, and mashed potatoes
4: o- yeah oatmeal dude nice. that's how it was yep
1: that's hilarious mark torres listener extraordinaire what's up uh what do you eat at denny's
2: Oh, french toast
1: french yeah. toast that's my go-to all right sean yeah. what do you eat at denny's dude i just get the i don't know the scrambled eggs with the toast and the hash browns okay and steve
3: Uh, I haven't been to Denny's since I've been vegan.
1: Well, wait a second. We went to Denny's with Angeline, but we didn't eat
3: anything. Uh,
1: But when you weren't vegan. Okay, I wasn't vegan. Four
3: times, four times, two times, two times shit with all the fucking (laughs) ham, sausage, and and a stack of fucking uh, pancakes. Before
1: I was vegan, I did eat moons over my hammy, and I would get a side of chicken strips. Alright, thank you.
3: Side
0: of chicken strips?
1: Yeah, I don't know what it is, but I love chicken strips. Except At any time of the day. The, now I don't like the fact because it's cruel to the chickens and you see what they go through. It breaks your heart. But I'm just saying. Right. But when you're talking to flavor and all that other, crispy fucking chicken strips any time of the day. I could it's wake up out of a them. dead sleep and just eat some fucking chicken strips. No problem.
4: All right. So, all right. John. Sean. Wait, is that better? Yes. Oh, yeah. Yeah, uh, you sound That's fantastic. Okay. okay. So, good.
1: John, um, you had this idea for a design. You're at Denny's. Uh, take us through it now, sir.
4: So, design comes through. He's like, "Oh, I really like this. We need to go in production with it." So, if if you see this design right now, you could tell right away that this is a super recognizable person. <laughs> uh. Right yeah so but at the time we were still kind of flying under the radar so it was right. like not that big of a deal so we went into production on it we went to asr the show and uh i remember we did the entire booth yeah it was done with that stencil and the booth yes. was small it was like a 10 by 20 yeah and i have, actually have a picture of you yeah Lucky, standing in front got of to it i gotta find yeah i have a picture of you standing in front of it
0: yeah i have and that picture like, too
4: man so it's like it's funny but like so that was a big design for me personally because it really kind of cracked open. Like, we're taking a movie star, uh-huh. one of the biggest stars of all time from decades previous that most kids would not even care about. Exactly. But now they're like, oh. We, and we even called it the Marilyn. But right. Lucky, do you remember what happened at uh, Magic? Magic. Yeah, they like fucking, the following year?
3: Yeah, they want it like they, we're getting cease and desist. They want us to take it down, all that shit, bro.
1: <laughs> right, because you guys yeah. didn't have the license Nothing. to use it, right? No, of them. course not. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
3: course but that not. only
1: adds to the brand, right? In the sense of like you guys are just doing whatever the fuck you want to do, breaking some rules. At that point, we Oh, were, yeah. Yeah. yeah, for sure.
4: Right. For sure. Around. Right. So, and, man, that was, a, that was a heavy, heavy one. Because I remember the lady was like, you don't have a license. She looked it up in her hotel room the next day, came and talked to me about it. I'm like, oh, oh yeah, all right. I was like, yeah.
3: okay, cool. And we were selling so was, much of this shit, bro. That's uh, so funny. <laughs> and the it was, So
1: then, uh, John, did you – at what point do you guys figure out, like, that's what the F in Famous Stars and Straps is going to look like? How, how many Fs
4: did you draw? Okay, here's the deal. That was actually done – by my buddy Ed Santos rest in peace he was actually he worked at Wahoos for a long time as the marketing guy rocked the mullet he had a super long mullet he was in the OC and he worked for Wahoos for a long time he actually did the original design and if you look at it it's based off the Rough Rider R Mm mm-hmm I can oh, see that. Yep. Oh, shit.
1: Uh Mark Torres, listener extraordinaire. From where are you from, brother?
2: I'm from Santa Paula,
4: California.
1: Santa Paula. Santa Paula. He drove all
2: the way to Santa Paula. Uh, he says that he concurs with you, John. He, I remember seeing that F everywhere. I've even slapped it on a couple like uh, road signs and shit over that's like right. the you know the, the street signs and shit like yeah, that. Yeah, uh, I see that. <laughs> Mark Torres representing.
3: Yep. All right.
1: So okay. So that's nice. that's, that's that. It was already in play then.
0: That's where yeah. Because I, that I
1: came
4: there. on. Uh, let's see. It started in 1999. I got on in 2003. All right. So yeah. yeah. So it was already been going because Travis originally had his store or shop in Riverside, and he only sold the, the belts and the buckles. Right. That's what it was. I remember beginning. one time I to went to down
2: Toronto. to a pop up. You guys had a pop up down in. Like hey, LA hold on a second,
1: Mark-, Mark Torres. He looks a little like Fidel Castro. Get on
2: oh, yeah, the front yeah.
1: of the mic, there, brother. Okay, tell tell us your your story.
2: I went to a pop up down in like L.A. somewhere. And uh, you guys were, like, selling denim. You had, like, a bike out there with the, the F right there. You guys were, like, just a pop-up, just uh, a random pop-up. That
4: was the Fast Life,
3: wasn't it? Uh, maybe. That wasn't on 3rd Street in West Hollywood? Shit, I was
2: young, so I, I don't know where I was at. I just okay. that was smoking taking weed, it all. Smoking weed, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mark yeah. Torres. Of course, well, that's
3: probably Fast Life store. We had a store down there. Yeah,
2: I just remember walking through. It was, like, in the outside, a bunch of racks, <laughs> denim everywhere. Really? Yeah.
3: Yeah. Hmm. Interesting.
1: Interesting. So, okay. So that's all going on now. Steve, when are you jumping on board? At what point are you there? Like what yearish? Uh, two
3: thousand and two.
1: Okay. So, uh, John, with your artist's eye, your, dis- your discerning artist's eye, tell us a <laughs> little. Tell us a little bit about what Steve Lucky Luciano was like back
4: then. What did he bring? Oh man, I remember hearing the stories of Lucky. Before I even met the dude, because you gotta figure Lucky's a big dude, right? And he makes up he walks in, he makes a presence. He like he's very well known. Like I'm here, and just notice me. That's like you can't not notice him, right? That's just how it, you know. And right. so he, I remember hearing like Travis tell me like, oh, you're gonna meet Lucky. You haven't met Lucky yet? Oh man, he is crazy. That's all he said. He's crazy. Uh, That's it. And then you know, like one of those things. He's that dude. When you see him. Like if you see him on the on the block, you would think, Oh, this guy is serious. I don't wanna <laughs> fuck with this dude.
0: <laughs>
4: and then yeah, I mean, he still he ha- still has that kind of thing. But once you get to know him, like he's just he's just like everybody else, man, just trying to like get through life, navigate and Make things happen So
1: basically I mean Listen I don't want to put words in, But sounds like John was a little Intimidated Steve When you first Stepped in the spot I man. don't know About all that But Steve What do you feel oh, What no do man. you feel Listen, He's like I don't know He looked like A serious I mean, dude I no I know
0: I mean there's Some
3: of that I mean And I know Travis could gas me up And all that and little Max was like, every time I'd open oh. up his door, he'd be like, "What do you want, Lucky? What do you want? <laughs> I'll stop everything I'm doing with it." You know, but, um, it was funny, bro. It's like I got so much love for Max, and and I had a lot of respect for everybody in there. And you know what? It, it was like I tell you one thing, man. Like yeah. at the size of the company when John was there in the beginning, you know, nobody was uh, apprehensive about putting some fucking boxes in their car and delivering them packing right. some boxes right. packing orders doing it like everybody was helping out didn't matter right
4: and if you didn't have a problem
3: you wouldn't be working there right
4: we cleaned the bathrooms we take turns Mm. scrubbing the floor and the toilets like that's how small it was we could all fit in van back then
3: after after
1: steve cleaned the bathroom when he scrubbed the toilet (laughs) or whatever did you were you impressed because you're like wow steve how did you know how to clean the bathroom so great (laughs) steve's like "Ah, i spent a few years away i learned how
3: to take care of shit we were we were all we were like all in it there uh Handling that shit, you know, handling it together, you know, and it's just a Steve, very special time. Steve, bro.
1: seriously, let's be real. We, like, you, so you're coming on board, and you, you, you know, is it hard for you? I'm being serious. Is it hard for you to have a reputation for being a tough guy? Let's not fuck around, mm-hmm. right? Mark Torres is still shaking. He's sitting right next to you. <laughs> Fucking <laughs> scared shit. His, scared <laughs> his, yeah, his yeah, beard's crazy, in the witness crazy, pro- crazy, protection crazy. program right now because he's so scared of you. <laughs> but seriously, so you have a reputation of a being a tough guy, and and then also you're gonna you're you're also a businessman. Mm-hmm. So is it difficult for you to balance that out? Does it help you actually, like in a sense, like when you step in? How does that work?
3: I, I listen. In every situation is different, but I think that in this situation with famous, yeah, you had a guy who owned the brand, right? That was very into a culture that I was a part of, right? Okay, right. so he's rah rah. This whole culture. Right. So he's telling his people, you know, he's into Estevan's photography. Right. He's into yep. cartoons. That, like, these are guys he wants to be seated with and wants to fuck with, right? Right. And they know that, like, you know, I operate in that world. You're from that we've world. Been, this is what we've been doing. You know? Right. These guys all knew that I'd been in apparel. Right. That my running partners with stev. So I came in with an amount of uh somewhat cloud so it wasn't just tough guy shit it right. was also that was like this dude's been in apparel like right. built brands and, and so i think it, it evened it out it wasn't all like this tough guy like we could sit down yeah. and, and work shit out bro we
4: we but, were mur- lucky, look, we look at this though mm-hmm. you were an asset to the brand because when you show up like this is the sales manager like mm-hmm. you're the dude like you're the guy you were a perfect example of what mirrored the brand
3: absolutely yeah showing up at meetings and tank tops and shit you know Just yeah. not giving yeah. a fuck, you know yeah. and cortez's yeah like most people Clean. don't
4: show up like that <laughs> they show up like with their their little jeans and their whatever shoes and like maybe tucked in even maybe i don't know it's more action sports, but they were super timid they weren't trying to like make a, a statement or a presence when they're pitching product yeah you add, were yeah
1: john now that now that we have you here and uh, we fought long and hard to, because we know you're a busy man and an illustrious, world-renowned artist and everything. And we're lucky to have you here. But now that we have you here, was there any kind of situation where, like, did you ever get the sense that because Steve was part of the brand and he was helping, like, you know, negotiate and secure the orders, did you get a sense that people were happy to pay and were never late <laughs> with the payment because Steve was involved? Did you ever get a sense of that?
4: Uh, I would assume that Lucky was, <laughs> would have no problem getting his, his accounts to be paying.
1: Right. Like, I could imagine that, you know, some people, they'd be like, yeah, we'll pay. it, Put them on my tab. Tell them, put them on my tab. But then when Steve's like, hey, we need you to pay this order. You ordered this stuff. The guy's like, right away. Where, where, who should I? A
3: fucking big ones here. <laughs> <laughs> where, do yeah. I, where do I?
1: Wh- who do I write the <laughs> check out to? What name? Yeah,
3: yeah I love that. Yeah, we're, I mean, we were such a family, bro, back then. It really was, bro. And we'd have so much fun. We'd go to A. Hey, be ASR, it was would be wild magic place to work. we'd all be together and be fucking nailing up boots and screwing and shit And i'm talking about the beginning parts bro hey the was lenny and,
1: was lenny and larry's cookies your assistant at that time
3: he became a couple years like around like around 2004 yeah is when he kind of became my assistant did john ever meet tony crouch know, john. did Don, did you ever meet that dude tony crouch he used to drive my truck and drive me around <laughs>
4: yeah i remember him <laughs> yeah you remember him
3: yeah cuz I, we told the story and we had him on, but it was like my license got suspended for like a year. I, I
4: listened to that episode. I right. to Did it. There you? Go? Yeah. yeah, uh, yeah. It, totally. was so, it, was, it
3: was. That was the
1: best. He was yeah. like, nah. and then he told me. He said, "Don't show up late. Bring a pen in and
3: paper." And let me tell you something too. And we <laughs> talked about this, John. And John is like, "Listen, when you get to build something, when you build things from the ground up, yeah, and you see people's lives change due to, you know." The, the, the fame of the brand the money the yeah. the clout like you you start to see people especially the first layer of people that were with the brand everybody's life is changing a little bit right right yeah. and um there's a, there's a time and you slowly start to like lose the essence of how it was right. slowly piece by piece it starts to so and you don't know this while it's really happening right you're just having to accept new 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 things going on right but Kind of like the second half of Goodfellas. Yeah, brother, and
0: yeah,
4: it began.
3: Yeah, not
4: really. <laughs> not I don't know. Yeah, I mean, here I'll put it this way: when we were in on Wild Turkey, mm-hmm. and we were actually no before that we're in the original Corona spot. Okay. I'll give you a little bit of how crazy it was. I wouldn't say crazy; how relaxed it was a place to work. Okay, people were like getting so loaded they were just falling asleep on boxes. <laughs> Dudes were getting blowjobs in the in front of the building in a car with all the dudes watching. Like it was not a normal place to work, and it right. was really interesting because Max is pretty much not about any of that. That life, yeah, any of that what stuff happening. i like, I was like, all right, cool, man. That's what they're doing. That's what? fine. They're like no one's getting hurt, mm-hmm. and some of these guys are getting you know a little extra fun during the day. Right. But as the br- but as the brand progressed. Yeah, and the money started really coming in. You could, like, like you said, the shift happened, but you see it and you know it's happening. What really did it, what made it flip overnight, 100% this is the story overnight. When the first show on MTV hit, we instantly doubled revenue the next day. Yeah. Damn. Yeah, it 100%. really brought it
3: into another stratosphere. And this is early reality TV. Yeah, what year are we yeah.
1: thinking? Like, what is that? Ah, 2000.
3: 2006.
1: Yeah. Man, back when TV was still
3: TV.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, yeah the that Bar- was Meet a the Barker. wild time. Meet the Barker? Yep.
0: Right.
3: Yeah, it really that did. It on. And it also brought over sharks. Started smelling, yep. you know, their opportunities. And things began to change. And you know, listen, man. What makes a brand... Um, uh, a garage brand that turns into a ten million dollar brand is not the same pieces that takes it to a fifty or or eighty million dollars and distributed internationally. Right, a lot of shit has to happen, and people that need to know what they're doing. That's like, and those things, you know, started to change stuff. And um, but uh, you know, it, it does what it does, and. You know, it was a great experience because I was certainly there through the ground floor type beginning to extreme success, right? Um, and got to see that that happen. And you know, there was I remember going in. John, as as the creative guy, and at one point in time, John's laying out the whole look of the brand for the next two seasons. Okay
4: and it's a full year out
3: yeah full year out and travis would be in fucking you know europe on a tour right boxcar racer you know Uh and so it was like john having to make and pull and green light shit and i remember you know as we're going kind of into urban uh Remember, 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 John. How we'd have different stuff going into urban accounts than what was going into like Paxson accounts. And yeah,
4: it was all about balancing act. We had, we had um, that. We had the fast life was going at this time. We had FSAS, which is another line of higher end product. Mm -hmm. The perception. It was basically. I mean, honestly, it was the same stuff basically, but we just charged two, three, four, ten times more than what is Rizzy going for because the. People were paying that and they wanted we were feeding a beast. Like there was people who wanted to pay a hundred dollars for a t shirt. We had yeah. people who still want to pay nineteen dollars for a t shirt. We had kids that wanted a bigger fit. We wanted like uh, just like yeah, there's different demos to cover and yeah. we were covering them all at that point. And that's when things start to get really it's just a balancing act. You're literally spinning plates just to keep everything going because it was so wide and it was so much stuff to be in charge. Like, dude, when I left there were there was a hundred people there. When I started, I was employee number eight. Right, like the last meeting I was in, there was like so many people there and as salespeople, and like who's this guy? Right. I even asked, "Dude, I'm like, what do you think will happen? You think the company will get so big you don't know everyone's name?" Right, and I didn't know everyone's name. Right. And I was there. So it was crazy. But yeah. That's what just...
1: ha- that that's what happened to us uh today. Uh some guy walked in. It was Mark Torres and we we're like, "Who the yeah, hell is this yeah, guy?" Yeah, yeah. I'm like, "What? what the fuck He's a new this? intern?" <laughs> right. Didn't <Steve. laughs> even know we hired. Him. Steve was like, "Jesus Christ, I think we're getting <laughs> robbed." What the fuck is so that? Hey, um I
3: didn't Hold on a minute. I didn't think we were getting robbed. You you thought that? Yeah. All right. Well, it's when you get robbed, that looks all different than that. What does it look like? It don't look like that. You know, <laughs> <laughs> before you know what's happening your ass is getting robbed right. That's how you, get robbed. That, you don't
1: see it coming
3: no. all right
1: all right i stand corrected again thank you very much no yeah, no no, no. <laughs> but but so so okay so john then if travis is busy and travis is being travis which is sort of i guess you know, being the brand, right? And, and, and doing all the things that are going to set the. How do you become the guy that knows how to translate that and curate that into actual items that are going to be sold uh, in different stores? How does that work? What, what, do, what do people need to understand about
4: that? So I had to live two lives I had to live my personal life, and I had to live basically Travis. So everything he listened to, read, watched, Anything that he had input on through eyes, ears, whatever, I had to know it. I had to know exactly what every what his playlist was. So he referred to a song, I'd have to know him just saying, Oh, it's a slim thug joint. All right, I'd have to know it's this one. This is the one he's talking about. I'd have to know this is what he's looking at. So like we would go to the Warhol Museum, I would take pictures of everything, I'd have books, like he referenced, like you know that one piece. I'd have to know like, oh, I saw him look at it for more than three seconds. That's the one he's talking about. So I had to basically Absorb everything he had, and then keep it in my brain. And this is when I start to have a bunch of like issues with myself because I was basically twenty four seven living that life. Wow, it was wild. So I knew exactly what he wanted to do. Like we should do a music inspired capsule or collection. So we did Van Halen, Metallica, yep, and some other stuff. And like yep. I did the Van Halen piece so it's 1984 i redid it with devil locks so it's like misfits mix no. max did the master puppets yep
3: master of puppets all- one of the best-selling yeah. shirts
4: yeah so- we go out the the van halen stripe badge was sold dude hundred thousand units back Crazy. then at one store just at one Sun. t-shirt
3: hundred thousand of one fucking t-shirt graphic
4: in like one month it was dude the time back then was so different than now like I am not joking. We could make anything, except when the lawyers started showing up. Yeah. <laughs> and then we had to start pulling
1: things back. Plus, plus. All right. So, wait a second, though, John. This, this. Now, this is fascinating to me so you're living two lives so how confusing is it for you when you're just sort of absorbing the essence that's travis on kind of like a 24 7 did that cause you any identity issues or were you like uh, just really honestly what don't people understand about what that job really is
4: well when you're that capacity and this is where i was so i mean i've been such a brand loyal. like i'm down i work this is it. I'm a living, breathing part of it. You can't really fake that. You need to be mm-hmm. a part of it. Like right. To this day, yeah. I work for a brand, and I'm living that brand, literally. So yeah. back then, I would be like Travis. I would get a phone call from little Chris, which was rest in peace also. Mm-hmm. He went to uh, – he rest was in peace. He was Travis's assistant. He would call me like, hey, there's plane tickets for you tonight. You're flying Kentucky. Right. Meet right. us on the right. bus. Right. I would just go. I don't know when I'm coming home. I would get on a plane in three hours. I'd land, and then I would be on a tour bus working. I can't sleep on a bus when, it, when it's running, so sure. I'd sleep two hours a day. Uh. And I would just be like listening to Travis. He would just tell me, I like this. I saw this. This is cool. What do you think about that? And I'd put it all together, and I would just have this long-running document and also inside my brain of everything he liked. And the problem with that is I would be gone so long, and then at this point, I'm with my now wife, Katrina. We were living together. She's a nurse. She was working nights. I didn't see her from like, Christmas to February like if I didn't get home to see her before she left for night shift I would just stay at work and work until two three o'clock in the morning then go home from the office sleep get back up go back every day if I didn't see her and I'd do that six days a week seven days a week sometimes so it just got to be a point where I got so like you're just burned out dude another level like and you just you really don't know who you are like I don't know I don't have an original thought now because I feel like this is who I am now what I'm just is like?
1: What does that do uh, to uh, an artist? Because you're an artist in your own right. I mean, that's what enables okay. you. That's what enables you to actually translate or take in what Travis is talking about and put it in a a much larger context, right? So, what does that do to an artist to devote yourself like that so much to
4: somebody else's okay. vision? Well, so I'm gonna go. This is a really dark place for me. Do it. That I, me and my wife don't even really we talked about it like maybe once or twice since this happened. I got so lost. I thought like everything I did artistically was a famous piece, no matter what it did. I got so depressed. I sat on my bed. I had a three fifty seven. I was about to end it because like there was no end in sight. I was told we need to make more money. We need to do all these more projects. I didn't set boundaries because we were still like we were just all a bunch of guys hanging out, having fun, and making money. Right. And it got to the point we're so big. And it was just, so, dude. There was so we said yes to everything. I did a so-so def collab with Jermaine Dupri. I had it done. He showed up on his private jet in Ontario. I think two days later, he had it. We were making a product, like we were doing everything so fast, and we were always moving and running. And like I just couldn't handle it. Like that's when I had to leave. Right. I obviously, I saw a picture of my wife on the end on my nightstand, and I go, "All right, I'm not going to do this right now." Because I just felt like I was so consumed with it and it was so frustrating because there's there's not enough hours in the day. I mean I worked all day, all night right. for years. And that's when I that was it. And that was the that was the downside of it. Like I did not set up boundaries. And then I don't know. I mean that sucks. Was it, that's what happened.
1: Was it difficult to set boundaries partially because you guys did all start off as kind of like a small family unit? And and there's two things going on. One is there's like a, like a friendship sort of involved in it. And then the flip side also is maybe you feel like you should be grateful because there's some amazing things happening. And the, the moment you say no, it's going to all shut down and this might have been your only chance. And you're saying no to... People who also were your friends. You started out at with these friendship relationships.
4: <clears throat> well, that is the dynamic that we're talking about right now. Yeah, we all started like a bunch of buddies, and it was small, and it got bigger. But you don't when it's happening, you don't think like, huh? How's how am I going to be able to deal with this mentally later on? Right. And this is the thing that people don't want to talk about, and I'm not really particularly stoked to talk about it. But it happened, and like, yeah, you're right. Like, you don't want to say no to people, but you have. I had to. I go like, dude, this is over. I got sat down by one of the CEOs. He straight up told me, like, you need to go to 125 next year. I'm like, dude, we said yes to everything. I don't see how it's possible. Like, that should be your deal. He's like, nah, it's your deal. I was like, damn, dude. And this is 2008 now. Right. This is right when things are about to fall apart for almost everybody. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: So, yeah.
1: Sean, do you identify with that? You, do you have trouble setting boundaries, Sean? Oh, for sure. And why, why do you have trouble setting up? I
0: think that sometimes you get involved, you're like, oh, you're giving me a great opportunity and you feel like you owe, you almost owe the company or you owe the, your manager, or you owe whoever's like above you for giving you that chance. So it's like, I think you, you, you find it hard to say no. Right. So, I gotta, go you ahead. You know
3: what, I'm going to say something to that. And John Chase, this is, my, this is just my opinion. Go ahead. Um when you know how you just says you just said I live and breathe the brand. Yeah. You hear that Chase? You heard when you said yeah. that John, right? Yeah. I think you either are designed that way or you're not. Like I don't know how to do it without being completely invested. Right. I really can tell you guys all about boundaries, but in reality I can't get passionate unless it becomes everything for me. You know what I'm saying? So I, I get involved and it was like it was like that at Famous for most of the time. It was like that at the hundreds. It was definitely like that, even though I, you know, I knew what Young and Reckless was, you know, still it was like I was invested, you know. And 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 I wanna say is that it sounds good, but I don't. I don't know myself if I know how to not not be completely in it and make it a part of my life. Maybe that's just me. I don't know how to draw boundaries. So if that brand takes off and it's super crazy, my life's going to be super crazy because fully invested in the thing. Um, I don't really know how to. You know,
4: go ahead. Well, it shows authenticity when everyone breathes it because, like you said earlier, like people will see it's not authentic. But sure. at the same time, you have to be on the lookout for yourself just so you don't get over consumed by things. Because as we all know, Lucky, these aren't Levi's. These aren't brands that are going to be on for 100, right. 200 years. Right, right, right. So it's like Felix, remember Felix? Yeah. Aguilas? Yeah. I remember he told me one time, and this is how brand I am. He's like, oh man, you run these to the the rails, like, you know, you run the, the train until the wheels start to fall off and you jump the next train. And I looked at him like, Nah, man, that, that can't be that way. Yeah, but it's true. Like he's been in the skate game for so long, and he knows how it is. Like co- companies come and go, trends come and go. And now with how the way our culture is, trends come extremely fast. It Used to take ten years for a trend to come back, cycle back. It's up to like six months. Oh, or oh, it never really
3: goes away. Right? Yeah, dude, do. I talk about that every day. But you're you're yes. absolutely right, and I think that I've heard I've heard interviews with brand guys super successful brand builders yeah. and they're like what's the whole trick and the whole thing is like huh, knowing when to get off and hop on the next one well you know what like part of the whole get down is knowing when to m- make your move okay so i'm listening to what you guys
1: are saying mm-hmm. and i understand it up to a point and i also you know it doesn't have to be a brand it's whatever you're into that you mm-hmm. lose yourself to right my mm-hmm. yeah. is real quick what do you lose yourself to
2: Probably my lady over there.
1: Is that true lady over there? Is he losing himself in you? And yeah, she kind of shrugged.
0: <laughs> uh, uh. <laughs> 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 she ain't
3: gonna She's good, like, I bro. can't That's please good. it, That's the right <laughs> answer right
1: there. <laughs> no, no, right. no. he, well, he knows he's got to drive with her all the way back to Santa. <laughs> yes, sir, yes, sir. Uh, okay, so, um, but, you know, I just read this book called Why We Sleep. Oh. Why We Sleep. And it's by um, the, uh, like a Harvard-trained, and then I think he's either at Stanford or University. No, he's at UC Berkeley now. A sleep researcher. And he's gone through the whole thing. He measures your alpha and beta waves, all this bullshit. And he goes through and he explains this whole thing. But <clears throat> the key takeaway from this book, right, Why We Sleep, is that part of uh, the proper, not proper, but optimal, fuck proper, optimal, Right, Like if you're a bodybuilder and you're like, I want to get the most out of my workout, right? Mm. That's what he's doing for brains, for sleep, and that's what sleep's for, right? And he is firmly all about you are not going to get the best creative output. You are not going to work through trauma. You are not going to do any of those things if you don't get that eight hours. If you don't get that eight hours because what he says your brain's doing during that time is cycling through memories, impressions, da, da 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 da, in order to get you fresh to hit the next day. And what he said is he's done all these executives, right? And we're talking like CEOs who put in 16 hours a day and all that shit, right? And they're like, you know, running Goldman Sachs and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. He says that they're actually less productive. Because they're not getting enough sleep. Yeah, they're working 18 hours. But that 18 hours of what they're actually doing in terms of. It's not focused. Yeah, it's not effective. So they brag and they're like, I haven't slept since 1922. And I'm not planning to until I I can sleep when I die. Mm -hmm. Right. And I've even said that shit. But the point of the matter is, is he's saying like, actually, if you look at their focused work product, it's about the same as somebody who was working eight hours a day and, and getting good sleep. If, if, if you could get more out of two hours of that guy, that mm-hmm. woman, from a healthy brain with a focused work product, than you can for eighteen hours of shitty, angry, yeah. you know, stressed out, right? Like that's that's what that <laughs> is. So when I'm listening to us talk about like, hey, I'm all about this or I'm only doing that, I'm also thinking to myself, yeah, that's true, but what about having an effective like three hour punch? On what it is that you care about and then letting it go and marinate for a while so that you can come back the next day and give another perfect Bruce Lee. Three. Yeah. Maybe he's not even a good example since he All died, right. but I'm just saying a focus punch. What, what, what are your thoughts on that, John?
4: Well, it's funny you mentioned that because when I was working at ASJ, I had to plan out my entire day for calls on, on customers, So I took that from then. I still have that to this day. So right now, if you open up my calendar today, it is I block out every 15 minutes. If I have a task, it's blocked out. So I do my creative work, studio time, admin. I only check. This is like typical stuff. Like you would probably familiar with this. I only check my emails at noon and four. I only go social media certain days. I don't get stuck in it. I cannot. I need to focus. My time is so valuable now. And I only have, if I feel really inspired, I don't, it used to be like, oh, I'm just going to, Draw something or paint something because I feel like it. Now I have to go, like, okay, from this, for these next two hours, I'm drawing or I'm ideating something very heavy. That's it. So it's on my calendar up to a week, sometimes further out. So I schedule my entire life by a calendar. I control my time and my what I'm doing every day. So the only time it happens where I get a wrench thrown at me is someone calls me because they know I'm not going to look at my email till later in the day. Otherwise, I'm just cruising. I go, this is what I'm doing when I'm waking up. I'm taking a break, I'm doing this, I move to this task, I do my emails, I have my meetings, and then I finish my day out, I plan the next day or the whatever needs to happen. And whatever didn't get done, I also use Evernote to keep all my tasks organized. So that's why I'm one of those few artists and creatives that's super organized. I got that from my dad, and I definitely got the art side from my mom. So I mm-hmm. took both of those. So I'm kind of like one of those very rare, organized, hyper-organized artists. What kind so of? So that's how I do it.
1: What how, What does your mom do? That's artistic.
4: She paints. She sculpts. She crochets. She can draw. Pretty much anything. She plays ukulele. Like she does everything. Really good with her hands.
0: My, mm.
4: Yeah, she rips on anything. Like she's. I used to sit in her lap when I was a little kid, like two, three years old, and watch her paint. So like that's how I got that from her. And then my dad's super into like he's a hot rodder. He loves planning stuff. He's like very methodical in how he does things and researches stuff. So I got that from him. So I just mashed this all together into my workflow. And it's weird because when I was working at Famous and I was heading up a whole department of different personalities, I had to realize this is the hardest thing for me because I got told by management, upper management, you can't be freaking out in front of them because I would completely lose it. I would smash phones <laughs> on my desk. <laughs> I would smash phones. So I had to realize... Not everyone works the way I do. So I had to like take that step back and have, we had therapy sessions basically every Monday because the personalities were colliding. So I had to really move into that role. Like I'm not a trained artist. I'm not a trained manager. I had to learn all this stuff on the road. There's my path was not that. I mean, I took night school to understand how to use the computer, but I never learned the business side of it. I learned how all the apparel stuff I learned on the job and dealing with personalities on the jobs. So like you're Dr. Phil. You're like answering stuff. You're doing pitches to people. You're talking to big corporations about doing product together. Like all that stuff, I had to learn on my on my own, and it's not a traditional way, I guess. But that's the only way I know. It's right. just by doing it.
1: I love that. You know, what's fascinating about what you said is, is because, I mean, you smash phones, and then managers like, "Hey, you gotta keep. It, you gotta at least look like you're enjoying yourself and keeping it together in front of the underling. They can't. You know, you can't be." But yeah. dude, how many fucking times do we read in the in the different papers or whatever all of these high level executives at fashion magazines or at the studio who would do all this crazy behavior in yeah. front of everybody? That's almost yeah. assumed like that's like what pull their
3: pants down and start right money.
1: like Harvey Weinstein, <laughs> yeah. right? Like pushing people down
3: on the bed. To right? Shift Put him,
1: was like, was pushing right? Down. Like that's all you hear about. I, you kind of wish that management would have pulled one of those guys aside and said, "Hey." Uh Jerry Falwell Junior. You can't be uh you know, putting butter at the Creeping. tip of your Yeah, like what are you doing, brother? Like you can't be doing that shit. Mark Torres? Uh do you ever uh Mark Torres the, the infamous listener, do you ever smash your cell phone in front of your coworkers? Uh
2: actually, um yeah, something happened to me just recently. I had to sit down with uh HR and fucking what happened? manager and shit like that. Um pretty much I was told that I need to work on myself, you know. Uh, what? Control my anger, but um I don't know. It's kind of like uh, I've I've thought like everybody gets a pass, and I need to like be held accountable for all of my actions. You know what I mean? Wait, but, what?
1: What kind of now? This is all allegedly. I'm your attorney right now, so I'm right. going to say this is right now. What we're speaking is allegedly. This cannot be used against you, but what allegedly? Like, it, what is the anger thing that they're like? Hey, you need to control. Do you swear really loud, or what do you do?
2: Uh, I guess like um. I let my emotions get the best of me, so, like, my physical, like... And uh, what
0: what was the situation where...
2: um, I took my daughter to uh, a doctor's appointment, and uh, they were, like, tripping on me, saying, like, oh, yeah, you can't, like, you You can't can't go. And so then you what did you do? Did you, like, puff
1: up and be like, what do you mean? Or did you just walk out?
2: Nah, well, uh, I had already went. I had already (laughs) went to the doctors, (laughs) did did my thing, you know what I mean? And I came back to work uh, the next day, and they tried to trip on me.
1: But um <laughs> yeah <laughs> that's fucked up. I mean the guy takes his daughter I mean Oh well, did you tell him you were going to Of course, of
2: course. Of you, course. Know what, you know
1: what? You know what that reminds up. me of? That reminds me of Eric Thomas, the hip hop preacher who's a motivational speaker. He said he started going into business for himself because he wanted to show up for his daughter's day at school. She was winning an award. And he told his work, he's like, hey, I'm going to... And he thought he was being cool because he's letting him know ahead of time, right? Hey, and he's like, hey, I'm going to take this time off because I'm going to... My daughter's getting an award and I want. she wants to see her dad there. And his boss was like, no, that's work hours. You can't go. And he was like, okay, you can say that, but I'm fucking going.
2: <laughs> was that how it was for you, Mark Torres? Uh, yeah, pretty much. And then, um, yeah, they uh, m- made it about me. And uh, I told them... They, dude was like... Are you going to hit me right now? Like, because I was like, <laughs> fucking, I was like, dude, I'm taking care of my family. This is my, you know what I mean? This is what I got to do. You know what I mean? Right. And uh, I guess like the um, the state I was in, my body language or whatever, got he it. was like, do you want to hit me? I uh, felt I felt like he was like antagonist, like leaving yeah. an opening to try and like Entrapment. set me up. You Entrapment. Know
4: and, uh, <laughs> Legalese now Yeah, yeah and Entrap like- me
2: Your <laughs> honor Listen this is
1: how I would defend you Mark I'd be like Your see. honor Mr. Torres Is not only a contributing Member of society Right And a loving Devoted father Should To his to daughter right Shh, don't mr torres oh, i'm trying man, to def- defend in <laughs> court my shut man. the fuck up All right. All right. All right. All right, stay silent yeah, let so it, me do the talking you just stroke your beard like a cereal oh, right, you. You, right. <laughs> yeah uh, <clears throat> mr your honor ladies and gentlemen of the jury right what i'm going to tell you is a story a story about family love about paternal fatherly love about the protection and the love and the heart of a father right mr torres Who's taking his daughter, his sweet, vulnerable daughter. Four-month-old. Four-month-old daughter, right? First and foremost, we live in a society right now where that alone, it shouldn't be. But that's a special thing right now. Just the fact that this father takes such an interest Mm -hmm. in his infant daughter, takes her to the doctor. Where do you work? Don't say it, don't say it, don't say it. Never mind. And this warehouse manager. Right, who's only in charge of a bunch of brown cardboard boxes and his (laughs) only concern is the bottom line financials, is giving Mr. Torres a hard time for being a loving, doting, caring father. And what does he do? Does he thank him? Does he thank Mr. Torres for contributing to society by letting his daughter know that she's loved? No. He tries to antagonize. He tries to antagonize Mr. Torres, inviting him into some kind of abusive, some kind of violent, sick, sick disgusting, <laughs> twisted, <laughs> Your Honor, this should not stand, well, hey, yeah. ladies and gentlemen on the journey, Excellent. Right now, you can do something to help this country by supporting a father who loves his daughter,
3: Ovando Bone.
1: Ovando Bone. L-l-p. LLP. Yeah, no, yeah no, if
3: you want a defense like that, you yeah. call up him.
1: Listen, <laughs> yeah, go ahead. No, Sorry, uh, yeah. I, I, I
3: don't know, pull everybody back to speed, please, John. Chase, you yep. roll out from famous. That was some time ago. Tell us what's been going on. What kind of what's transpired? Where's this led you? What are you doing today? Give us a yeah. rundown. Okay? Yeah,
4: Oh, man. So, end up leaving famous. Went to we just went freelancing. I got so burned out. I kind of just needed some time away. So, I gave my resignation um i went ahead and just stayed home i just literally pulled a howard hughes i didn't get up for like three i didn't get out of bed for like three months Is pissing it, in jars yeah did bottles. you piss in Is a, a bottle
1: like howard hughes
3: <laughs> mm-hmm. i don't remember mm-hmm. uh, that's a yes <laughs> by the way that's a yes like mayonnaise jars salad <laughs> <laughs> dressing jars squirt bottles you, all in the window <laughs> seal. all got all the
1: colors all like under his bed or yeah, whatever yeah, <laughs> did like, you do one of those bro? <laughs>
4: So, like, I did that, and then I just had an identity <laughs> crisis, really, dude. Like, I didn't know. I really felt like everything I'd done artistically and art just was not even mine. I right. felt like what I'd done was for the company. So it took me months to uh, get out of that. Like, I was doing freelance jobs, and people were like, I want that famous look, and I just couldn't do it. I would literally turn into, it was total shit. Right. So, right, I, right, so right. to work through it, I started this project. It was just a fun project. It was basically a blog at the time. This is a 2008, so it was called Destroyer. And then I started oh. doing designs for it as a design therapy, really. Man, and that, that became... Destroyer
3: art was dope. Bro, you even sent me a package with a couple shirts and a hat.
0: I love yeah, man, that I was shit, the... bro. That, that was a
4: wild thing. Thank you. That was crazy because I did it just for myself. It was 100% myself. It was cars, music, Dungeons & Dragons, whatever. Video games, whatever I wanted it to be about, I did it. And then that actually became something. So I did that for... It's just a fun project. A couple years ago by, we have my wife and I get married. We have our first kid. Then I want to go look into employment because maybe I'll go back in. So I become a product designer for Meso International. So I was designing diecast and RC cars. And I was doing that while I was doing Destroyer. So I worked at Meso for four years and it was Destroyer was going. It started to take off in Southeast Asia. So I was sending pallets of product to Malaysia and like, so movie stars and like the royal family was wearing it. It was on television, it was on MTV. Cool. So I was like, man. So I started making money on that. So I decided to leave the die-cast company and go out and go full bore, like I'm doing this. And then while this is happening, Destroyer had become really popular in grassroots drifting out here in Southern California. So if, not, if, if you guys are familiar with drifting. What's but drifting? It's people, drifting is an automotive sport, we'll call it. It's, it's Imagine doing like Sideways. skateboarding, Tokyo BMX. Drift. Ah, Tokyo Drift. Yeah. Yeah, so uh, like, I got you. It's a lot of people make fun of it, calling it "ballet with cars" because it's like, but it's it's more than that. It's a whole lifestyle around it. So my brand got really embraced by that, and to the point where I was doing collabs with Formula D, Formula Drift, which is the premier drifting series in the United States. So I was doing collabs with that while still working at the diecast company. Things popped off. I left. I went full time doing Destroyer. So I was the art guy. I was the brand guy. I was a team manager. I was customer service. Luckily, I got someone to do shipping for me. So I was running all these hats. I had my neck. My daughter was born. So I was working from like 5 a.m. to 1 a.m. every day. We go on vacations. I would get up at 4.30, do emails and stuff, do designs, send them off, get production going, and then just have family time for a couple hours and go back to work. It got to be too much. And while this is all happening, I'm doing shows so like events around car stuff so i go to like auto enthusiast day at anaheim stadium it's a really big event it's open to the public it's free they'll have like the parking lot will be packed with people and i'm over there with like two cars and booth and i'm painting i'm airbrushing a picture of keith richards and then the owner of the co-owner of hoonigan industries which is also owned by ken block from dc shoes the other owner is brian scotto he pops in on me because we do the same events He just puts his feelers out to see. hey, what's going on? Keeping tabs on me. I'm making noise in this space now. Like, I'm single-handedly making... I have my own drift team. I have videos up. It's pretty crazy. So, like, I'm doing all this stuff, and I'm making noise with it. He checks up on me, and then one day, he's like, "Oh, hey, if you ever get tired of doing your own thing, I have a spot for over here with us. So, at this time, Hoonigan's around a couple years, and then... I go, I don't know, I'll think about it. A couple months go by, I'm completely burned out now by staying up all night and balancing all this. I should have been really smart about it, honestly, and I should have just hired or outsourced a bunch of these things and kept my brain way more chill because I was losing my mind spinning all those plates too because I was so into it. It It's just me. So I reach out, I get an offer, I interview, and I'm... You know, working at Hoonigan, I'm one, of, I'm one of the Hoonigans. So Hoonigan Industries is an automotive lifestyle brand right. based out of Long Beach. And we do the Gymkhana videos. And it's it's pretty crazy as a brand because it's basically known for like we do dumb things in cars like burnouts. Right. Cars catch on fire. It's not a big deal. We crash into stuff. Right. So that's kind of where we're at right now. And so Aye. my love of cars gets to be played out really well. Now, it's like encourage the more cars you have. It's called Carcane, and it's the problem we all have there. And I've got five cars. Some of the other guys have like fourteen cars. So it's just—it's a lifestyle. Um. So on,
1: so the Hoonigan uh, car brand, right? It's it's what would you describe that? It kind of it looks like it's like hot rod ish, but it's also it's been tweaked somehow. How would you describe that? Like what would you describe?
0: It's
4: on, so it's automotive lifestyle in SoCal. So Southern California loves. Everything about cars. So Japanese cars, which people will know as tuners, hot rods, muscle cars, late model muscle, oddball cars, low riders, anything is that, yeah, low riders. Like I even had we film original content. I had a come out and bring Doctor Green Thumb and I shot an episode with him at our spot in Long Beach. So like I bring in hot rods and different cars from different scenes to help cultivate this audience that goes Hey, it's not my thing but you know what i appreciate it because the quality of the build or the passion around it right so everyone hoonigan's a passion about automotive so racing just lifestyle and all that stuff and it also comes into the product and our video content that we produce and we have like i don't know three and a half million subs on our main channel dude th-
1: these cars are fucking sick I'm like looking at all of the cars that you've got lined up there. And some of them, they, they've got like a hot, they've definitely, to me, and I'm, I'm, who am I? I'm just a fucking attorney, but I'm just looking at this and I'm like, this looks like, you know, there's a hot rod, but it's also been lowered and then there's all kinds of customizations and maybe, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, cause you're the king of the shit, but like it's also kind of like a little bit of a Mad Max feel to it as well. Does that make sense? Yes. Yeah.
4: Yeah, right now automotive—the crazier the build, it seems to be the better for a lot of people. It just goes through waves, like everything else is a trend. Right, but like that's a trend for a lot of people. Like, and I've been really fortunate because I'm the brand director, art director, a YouTube host. I do live stream stuff with the crew when I can. Right. So kind of running a bunch of stuff. I'm an amateur race car driver because I I raced against. I called out Mike Finnegan from Motor Trend Hot Rod Magazine right. for a race. I ended up losing live on television at Pomona at NHRA. My Damn. car was not ready; it fell apart. The front end almost flew off the car at 100 miles. Away. <laughs> <laughs> I bet beards, so I had to shave off my beard. My beard's super long at this point. It's really back. It's back to how it is now. So I'm on Fox Live, I'm getting shaved. Goldberg, the wrestler, is holding my arms behind me, and I'm getting my beard shaved. So that was one of the highlights slash low points because my car did not work. I right. lost. Right. And then earlier this year, I got to race. My 55 Gasser, Tri-Five by Fire, against Ryan Anderson in his Monster Jam truck, son of a Gravedigger. It's Ryan. It's, it's Gravedigger's son. So I'm racing, drag racing him side by side on a drag strip.
0: Nice. Yeah. Yeah. that's, that's what I'm
3: like, talking about. That's why I got you on the show, John. Because you like, can fucking go thing. from here to there. To, I mean, it's like this motherfucker, bro, he's got his hands. He's so good, bro. Yeah, but the thing, so good. the
1: thing I'm really taking away from this is that uh, John's doing all that. If you were, like, just showed up because of the spectacle of the race and his car and all that other stuff, you might not know that this guy's whole day has been dialed in and that it's been through trial and error, yes. right, that he's gotten to where he's gotten to, a lot of hard work. You know, a lot of people think, like, I'll just show it's up. That
3: same thing like Esteban Orio.
1: right? It's exactly right. And what is and what is Estevan Orio's thing? Like he's saying what? He says
3: you got to fucking work. Yeah, you got to put in the time. And it didn't just John uh, Chase didn't just pop up with all this shit, right? And right. that's what people sometimes see, right? And they don't know the backstory, right? John Chase, they just see. Well, that. yeah.
4: People don't know unless they go deeper like these kind of like doing podcasts or like if I do a live stream or if I go live on IG and take questions, people will learn more about it. But from the outside, people are just like, oh, these guys are a bunch of shitheads and they're just doing crazy stuff. Right. And like that's, But that's how you want people to perceive you. You don't want people to think – a lot of people don't want to think too deeply about these things. They find it as entertainment or something to occupy their time and then when they get deeper into something, that's when they become hardcore fans – Of your brand, they want to get invested in all the people around it, and which is now really interesting because as you see, as apparel brands, they don't just have one face anymore. They'll have a whole crew of people, so people can find who they identify with and align with, and that becomes their person to go to, and they get invested in that group or that person. So when things pop up, like like right now, I'm really fortunate. My car, my gasser, my 55, uh, it was released july at all walmarts as a hot wheel i'm honored to have my car as a hot wheel because as a car guy you like this is it like this car is now now, like this car is legit for a lot of people and granted it still hasn't hit my magic number of going really really fast but it's getting there i'm working on all the time right um but it's still an honor to have that happen and then people are out getting it buying it they're posting videos of it. They're getting it. It's really hard they're to They're collecting find. it.
0: Yeah. Yeah, they're
4: collecting it. And they're flipping it, which is really kind of crazy. Because if you guys are familiar with Diecast, the flip on it, like it's a $5 car. People are selling it for 40 50 $60 bucks for one car right now. That's and a real compliment. It's insane. Right. It is. And I'm really honored by it. And it's, it's humbling to think that. And like that's just crazy to show. Like, Just think, 18 years ago, I was sitting in a cubicle selling water hose and concrete hose some guy and now i literally get paid to go drive a car that's really not that safe as fast as i can right and it's just mind-blowing and the
3: line to get there is not a straight line and no way people people have an idea of how shit's gonna go down or how it's supposed to go down and it's like that line but like like, I,
1: like as if Chase had a picture of the cars that he's eventually going dri- to make, right? Mm-hmm. When he's in that cubicle and he's planned this perfect career
3: Exactly. Yeah. And it's not. It's never. You know, you've seen that little drawing where it's like, it has the line of like how you get to hear from here. And right. then there's the other ones that sc- scribble in a million yeah, different it looks, directions. Lo- it looks
1: like a madman so, fucking right. scrawled
3: it. And that's how it does happen, bro. And I think that mm, I'm not going to speak for everybody else. Please do. Okay, I will speak for everybody else. <laughs> All right. I think it's where as things start to take a left turn or a right turn or go backwards or upside down or whatever. Right. People get disillusioned that they're not going to get to their destination. Right. Right? That's exactly right. And they give up on it. That's exactly right. They get scared. Fear kicks in. Right. And And I certainly have, John Chase, we know about my history. And some things start to get, I'm fucking, I'm throwing in the towel and I'm fucking kneeling my neck and I'm fucking, you know, all sorts of shit. Yeah. But if I would have just stayed put, the next, the next move, you know what next move because think, but it's like a lot of people give up. And I think that the, as you stay in this, you build a life, right? This, this whole process with our, if you were to look at our last since we started this podcast. For sure. We were in one office. Then that guy got burned out. Then we go over to the yoga studio. Like, <laughs> right. That's not going to work. Then we're over here. Yeah. Then we're in the youth center. Then we're out here. Uh, then we got COVID. And, that, right. and, that. and it's like, if you were just looking at this podcast the last 14, 16 months, plenty of people would have been like, fuck this shit, dude. You know what I'm saying? For <laughs> real, it's not. COVID. And look at what we COVID. And look what you learn. You you start to build. And, and that's what I'm hearing time and time again. And Chase... That's what I'm hearing. Right. And you didn't do it all correctly, Chase, because that's not nah. how shit works, bro. It's not. None of this is correct. It's, you know, how are you going to react to it? Right. How are you going to react? Are you going to keep on going? Are you going to keep on fighting? Right. And it's like you sat on the edge of your bed with a fucking gun in your mouth. Right. I mean, we don't have a lot of guests yeah, talk dude. about that, you know? Right. Um, but, we I-
1: have, but we have had a ton of guests who've been in serious situation, Gentleman Jack, all that stuff, who've had to come to that point through some serious whatever circumstances that they're facing. They might not have had that, but they have, yes. right? And they've made the, the same decision, which is like, I'm gonna keep going, whatever it looks like. It doesn't matter if it's ugly right now, I'm gonna keep fucking going.
3: Yeah, yeah, and John, you are, I mean, dude. And, and, there, there, and what I do know, I don't know a lot, but what I do know is, at my age yeah. what I've seen I'm a little older than you John a little older than everybody in this just world. a couple just a couple months though A couple months okay? I mean come on and this is to say that on the trajectory that you're moving on John you've accomplished so much bro you are going to continue to do so much bro. right your shit is gonna get right I just can't wait to see I'm excited to be your friend I'm excited to be a part of getting to be a part of watching you grow and learn and try new things and and I just, at the end of the day, I love um, your artwork, John. Right? I love what you Thank put you. out, bro. I really do. Thank you. It may not be, some things are my things, and some things are not my things, but I want to make them my things because you did them so good. Like, oh, I, I cool, love like... SoCal Hot Rod shit. I love that, bro. I grew up on that. And you just yeah. bring so much of that back for me. It's dope, bro. It's... John Chase, no, man, let's... John tell Chase. Us, where do we where do we find... Where do we find you on Instagram and if, you know, how do we go pay, ahead pay you? Put, how yeah, do how people do you throw people their money at, at you? Give yeah, us on. those those plugs uh, real quick.
4: Well, the find me first, it's jchase7452 at Instagram. Mm-hmm. And if you want to just slide DMs, you can just send me money. That's mm-hmm. fine. Mm-hmm. There you go. Yeah, there
3: you go. <laughs> Excellent. have yeah, <we're> fans on all- <laughs> Do you have a fans only? only, only, only fans. Are,
1: yeah, we have Cutie <laughs> Sterling's got a fans only. Are you topless in a fans only, John? Oh, my God, dude. Uh,
4: I saw you guys just had her on. Yeah. yeah. All the photos of her from Joker days? Yeah. yeah,
0: yeah.
1: Dude, she's got... Um, is there any chance that uh, we can uh, hire you to recreate the uh, gay sand dunes video where the guy <laughs> does the Vogue down the sand dunes? Is that a on fans only? We, we want to collab with you on that, right? <laughs>
3: Oh man! Uh, well, any other any uh, other plugs you got? Uh, any other plugs you got for your business at all, John?
4: Uh, no, nah, I mean if you want to just follow, if you want to follow the Hoonigans, it's at the Hoonigans or Hoonigan to watch what we get into. Right, I like that. We just get into a whole bunch of mess of stuff. Nice. Good. And I don't know, man. You know what? Let me. Uh, Hang on, a second. I got to look at something real quick. Yeah, look yes. at it.
0: Yeah,
3: look
1: at it. it. Did did it sound like to you, Steve, that John uh, was listening to the
3: show, like that he heard that uh, mm. t- the
1: Tony Crouch show?
3: Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's an old one. That's yeah, an old that's one. an old one. But John told me he listened to the show. Does he? When we were talking, ever before the show, he goes like, I, "I listen to the show." Right? Does he have like a particular oh
1: episode or like a particular John? Do you got like a, a a fan favorite on the Hard Luck show? Like, was there ever a? A moment where you're uh, like, that was fucking hilarious when...
4: Uh, they're, they're all pretty wild. <laughs> the one that always sticks out to me, though, honestly, is yeah. O.G. Lepke when he's talking about like just being... I don't know. You guys just kept finding him passed out everywhere. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, I remember that. I mean, one. I
4: remember going down to a cartoon spot in Skid Row and just being so blown away by just hanging out there. Yeah. And just, and just seeing how this is a business that's making a lot of serious money you walk out the door and it's literally the most un the non-have-nots right outside the door (laughs) right
3: yeah yeah so like that
4: whole that whole life like that whole time of my life was like i look at it and go man it was weird because at that time i got kind of caught up like all of us like lucky said all of us were making money like Mm -hmm. large amounts of money Mm -hmm. and it did not I did not appreciate that at the time and what was happening? I wasn't really taking the time to really focus on like this is some great stuff happening. I just kept of going, of and it wasn't until later on in my life now, after like seriously, I had to start meditating and stuff to really realize like <laughs> what life is about. Join the team, my- bro. Yeah, and that's you know, yeah.
3: there's that saying. What does they say? Uh, what? Uh, youth uh, youth youth is wasted on the young or yeah what you? youth is yep, wasted, wasted on, on the, the young, young. it's just yep. it's just the process of life bro and now we hear what our parents and and older people taught us how how quick it goes and, and be there present for it because you know and and this is how you learn but it makes you appreciate today right now yes. 100%. more being present you know and, and seeing the specialness it. John Chase, man. Thank you, brother. Thank
4: you for coming on. Did he
3: have... He said he was going to look at something. You're looking up something? You got something else to plug? Nah. Oh, okay. My daughter's
4: cat jumped on the hood of my 67 Nova and, like, scratched it. And (laughs) Uh, I was just like... I'm just kind of heartbroken. Oh. uh.
3: Okay. So, everybody (laughs) out there, listeners... Pray for the hood of his car. Right. <laughs> uh, nah. No. Okay. Then don't, don't pray fine.
1: for his it's car. Fine. Don't pray okay. for, okay. His...
0: Hey, don't for chance, car. Hey, uh, any chance
1: there's going to be a collaboration? Listen, this just came in between my cousin King Salmon and his cornhole bags and John Chase. Any chance? <laughs> uh,
3: he's being completely serious, dog.
1: <laughs> no, I'm not. Any chance you're going to design a cornhole bag for King Salmon?
4: <laughs> Um, I mean, I've done lots of interesting products over the years. So <laughs> <laughs> anything's possible. Never
1: that, say never. You know what? That's a diplomatic yeah, no. Never. That's
3: yes. a no. All right. Hey, All listen, right. John, have a great day. Thank you thank for coming Thank you so on, much. Brother. Yeah. And, no, uh, thank
4: you guys for letting me be on. Good scene. I'm uh, talking to you, Lucky. I know yes. it's been a long time. I'm glad to see you're doing well, dude. Yeah. He and, is. Like, thanks, guys.
3: All right. All right, guys. John Chase. John Chase. The great John Chase. Adios, amigos, from the Hard Luck Show.
1: Nice.